Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, it's back to school. And all the parents said, amen. Yeah. Even the teachers. I want to go back. I'm ready to go back. I'm done. I need the routine back. Right? Well, Kids, you're staying in here today, so I'm, I'm going to try to entertain you a little bit. I'm going to talk to kids, going to talk to parents, but above all, we're going to talk to everyone, and uh, I pray that God ministers to you uh, through my words. And it, how many of you have your outfits ready, kids? You have your outfits ready? Paige, you have your outfit ready? You do? All right, kids. Preston, you have an outfit ready for school? No? Girls? Jada, Julie? No, you don't have your outfits ready? Now, Longwood, you go back on Tuesday, am I right? You're, you're back on Tuesday. Kids, you're back on Tuesday. We don't, I don't go back till Thursday. I just wanted to throw that in there. But uh, so, so Tuesday, I would think that you'd have your outfits picked out. Well, I guess if you could, Luke, hit, that, hit, the, hit the slide for me. All right, our, our title is going to be Sticky Faith. All right, just, can you repeat my title to your neighbor this morning? Sticky Faith, right? Kids, we're going to use Elmer's glue today. Yes. Sticky Faith. I got the title from a book. It was a wonderful little book that was written a few years ago. All right, Luke, now hit that again if you would. All right, this was a little girl. I don't know how many of you saw this story. This was in the news in the past two weeks. This is a little girl from Scotland. Her mom takes a picture of her as she's getting ready to go to school, right? So darling. Look at that little outfit. Look at her. She's adorable. Luke, give him the second picture. This is what she looked like when she came home from school, all right? Now, I thought this was interesting. Now, I was, I was in Scotland this summer, right? So I don't know if at school they reenacted like the, the Battle of Stirling, right? William Wallace, I don't know what they did in school that day, but a lot happened. Our mom said, hey, how was school? What did you do today? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Like it was just a totally normal day at school. Well, I hope when you come home from school Tuesday that you don't look like that. Right? How many of you know, kids, how many of you know that God is with you when you go to school on Tuesday? He's going to be in your Tuesday. He's going to be in your Wednesday. He's going to meet you in your Thursday. And he's going to meet you in your Friday, too. Yeah, I thought I would tell you that. But it doesn't matter if you're 102 years old. It doesn't matter if you're single and you have no kids. I think there's something inside all of us that we know, right? That there's something about kids in, in our culture, any culture, and we know how important they are. And we know that we want to protect them, don't we? You want to protect your kids. Parents. How many of you, you get in the car and maybe your kids are in the front seat? I know my mom used to do this when I was younger. Go back in your minds, right? She would stop short and the boom, the right hand would just, it was like instinctual, right? Like she's just driving and boom, it just like pops out. There's something inside of us. There's something inside that wants to protect the next generation, how many of you love it, you parents now, how many of you love it when you see your kids, they're sleeping? Don't you love to just watch them sleep? They've terrorized you for a full day. And then at the end of that day, you see them and they're sleeping in their bed and you're like, thank you, Lord, that they're sleeping right now. Yeah. Now your kids are in here, right? Something about that that's really important. But isn't it such a different world than when we grew up? Come on, isn't it such a different world? Now, if you don't know, I'm also a teacher in a high school. I don't teach in Longwood. I teach in Facebook. And I teach a sociology class, and I find this so fascinating. One of the assignments I give kids, you remember doing this? A 10-year letter where I have the kids, they, they have to write a letter to themselves and they, their dreams and aspirations, where they are now, where they think they're going to be 10 years from now. And I'll mail that, right? So what's fascinating to me, though, is I give them an envelope, they don't know how to fill out an envelope, a self, I kid you not. Mr. Lecce, how do I do this? What do I do with this? What, the self-address stamp, how do I do this? It's crazy. 
I know some of you are looking at me, some of you older people, seasoned people, you're looking at me like that's absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about, hey kids, you enjoy like Spotify and iTunes, you have all your music, right, in one spot. You know what music was like for me when I was a child? Let me tell you something. There was something called Columbia Music Club. And you would, listen to me, listen. You know what CDs, Taylor, did you ever see a CD before, right? Or a cassette tape? You would order 12 CDs for the price of one. They would charge you 450 bucks and they would send you Kenny G music and God forbid you didn't pay the 450 bucks. They were going to take money from your, your college fund when you're older. Music was totally different back then and ordering. Now today you have everything right there and we have iPhones and we have iPads and we have social media. Isn't it such a better way? How many of you kids would want to go back in time? You want to live like we lived? Any of you? Some of you? Yeah, some of you. All right, all right. That's good to know. There's an author, Luke, you can hit the slide. There's an author, his name is Rich Carlgaard. He wrote a book, this is only a few months ago. It's a fascinating book. It's called Late Bloomers. And he documents the challenge and pressure facing young people today. You students, facing students today. Elementary school, middle school, high school, college-age students. And get this, he said in the book, in numerous studies on this, severe anxiety and clinical depression are 500 and 800 times more prevalent in students today than in the 1960s. Anxiety, 500%. Clinical depression, 800% more prevalent in our society today than in the 1960s. You think we have a problem? I think we do. You can hit it again. See, this is a recent article I saved from April. This is from CNN. I don't know how many of you saw this. This is all over the news. The number of children going to ER with S thoughts, attempts, doubles. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm guarding my language. But you get, I mean, isn't that amazing? Look at this. Doubling. This is crazy. In one other survey, 54% of college students said they felt overwhelming anxiety in the last 12 months. What are we dealing with in our culture? What are our kids dealing with? Can I give you the word? They are under pressure. Kids, you feel like you're under pressure? You feel under pressure? I would think you do. I'm around kids all day. I see it. Kids are under pressure in extraordinary ways. We live in a day where people will spend so much money for, I got to get my kid in there. That's right, Nolan. I got to get you in the right preschool, right? We got to get our kids in the right preschool. We have to get our kids ahead because if our kids don't go to the right preschool, they're not going to go to the right high school. They're not going to go to the right college. And then they're going to be losers and they're going to be disappointments for the rest of their lives. That's kind of how it is. Hit it again, Luke. Look at this. How about baby Einstein, right? All right, Robert, you like that picture, right? How many of you, who knows who, out, who kid now, not adult. Don't yell it out, all right? Don't be a bad student. Kids, who is Albert Einstein? Who knows who Albert Einstein was? Caleb, go ahead, first hand I saw. No idea? Who knows? Help him, help him. Who, over here, here we go. My sermon notes. Did you read my sermon notes? Give her a hand. Come on. Your dad must be a science guy. You know what's funny? You know what's he is. He is. You know what's funny? Uh, baby Einstein, the old, you know, all the, the, the company. Do you know they sell over half a billion dollars every single year? In sales, half a billion dollars, and it's it's wild because you look at all of the multimedia stuff that they sell, they're selling it to people. Do you know Einstein could not talk until he was four years old, right? So what's wild to me is you have a company named Baby Einstein and they're selling products so that your kid will talk before the real Einstein ever talked. It's crazy. It's, kind of, it's just kind of weird, right? It's kind of ironic. The pressure is everywhere. How about this? Did you know that kids, a lot of studies on this, do you know that kids are dropping out of sports? 
You know why they're dropping out of sports? Because if they don't excel in sports, they realize what a resume enhancer it is to be a good athlete. So if they're not excelling in, say, a certain sport, whereas, I don't know, when I was a kid, it was like you were part of a team. Even if you weren't the best kid on the team and you didn't start, you were part of a team, but now you have to be the best. And if you're not the best, maybe I'm just going to quit. Look, hit it. Hit the slide. For, look at this. It recently, the University of Nevada offered a football scholarship to Haven Finney Jr. when he was nine years old. Football scholarship, nine years old, this kid. Can I draft this guy in, my, in our fantasy football league? Can I, I want to draft this kid. Nine years old. Are you kidding me? How about this story? Riley Weston, I don't know how many of you have heard of the name, a 19-year-old superstar. She signed a $300,000 contract as a comic writer for Disney, okay? Entertainment Weekly listed her as one of the most creative people around, except you know what they found out? She wasn't 19 years old, 32 years old. And the reason why she lied about her age, because she knew that nobody would listen to her and give her a job and look at her stuff if they knew that she was 32 years old. She said, in this world, you have to make it, and you have to make it young, and you have to make it big, and if you don't make, take your chances, you're going to lose it. There's so much pressure on our kids, parents. Too much pressure to perform, to be something. Dangerous world. Hit it again, Luke. The New York Times article. I just pulled this from the New York Times. How many of you remember the college scandal that happened this past year? Remember the college scandal? People, and I know you may say, well, that's not us. These people in another stratosphere that are affluent and they have influence and they have all this money and they were able to bribe these college officials and get their kids into schools. It's everywhere. The pressure to perform and succeed and get in the right school and know the right people. But I'm here to tell us this morning, there's something bigger for us to know. There's something bigger for our kids to know and do. There's a bigger person for them to know, and his name is Jesus. And it's not their fault. I'm not here. Listen to me. Don't, we're not, we should not be railing against our kids. Because I find one generation, the older generation, a lot of times we sit there and disparage the younger generation. They're our kids at the end of the day. And some of the problem is on us because we've taken iPads and iPhones and we've told them to raise our kids. Should I not have said that? Should I not have? Because that's me too. You're clapping because look at me because I've done that too. I've done that. Hard being a parent today. It's a lot different than it ever was. Any parents will get an amen on that or no? No? It's, it's tough. It's tough. Well, Kara Powell, a writer, she, this book where I got the title, I just took the title from the book. I didn't really use much of the information, just a, a quote or piece of information here or there. She wrote this book called Sticky Faith. And it, it, there you go. And uh, this is a quote from her book. There are a lot of studies on this. And she said in the book, as we have examined other research, our conclusions show 40 to 50% of kids who are connected to a church when they graduate high school will stick it to their faith in college. No, 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 no. So, so sorry, Pastor Linda. What that basically means is if I took kids and lined them up on the platform here and I just went like you were numbering off, like you're on one team, you're going to be on another team. So I went one, two, one, two. Every time I said one, that kid would no longer, when they graduate high school, they would, t they would graduate from their faith. They would take their faith and they would put it on a shelf and it would collect us. And maybe one day they would pick it up again. Can I just really give you my heart? My heart is, is that your kids would have a boring testimony that, you know, we hear horror stories. What do I mean by that? What do you mean boring testimony? I don't want my kid to have a boring testimony. We hear so many stories in church. I've heard millions of them. Stories of kids that went far and they strayed and then they came back. That's awesome. And people cry when we hear those stories. But can I tell you, the parents of those kids shed a lot more tears than we shed when we listen to those stories and by a boring testimony, I want our kids to know, yeah, it's great if you strayed from Jesus, but it's also even better if you don't even leave them in the first place. Why not have a boring testimony? 
I want our kids to have a sticky faith, something that will last, something that will stay around. And I know as parents, a recent Barna study, I got a lot here, I've been on this for a while, a recent Barna study showed the number one thing that keeps parents awake, and I can attest to this, was their kids' spiritual lives. You know what Billy Graham said? Can I give you this? This is good. Billy Graham said, the only thing we can bring to heaven is our kids. The only thing we can bring to heaven is our kids. You hear nothing else from me today. I want you to leave this place and look at your kids and realize that's the only thing. We can't bring our homes, our bank accounts, our cars, our jobs. We can only bring our kids. That's it. You know two other studies? Most kids will never have a spiritual conversation with an adult. I could take this one on the road because that's how charged I am. Most kids will never have a spiritual conversation with an adult in their entire, never. They'll never have one. Another assignment I know just from experience sitting in a high school classroom. I give a kid, we do a thing on, on religion and society. And I ask them, they have to interview somebody of any faith. I don't care if they're atheist, agnostic. I don't care what they are. And you know how many kids I don't know any. I don't, they look at like, what? I've never had a conversation with somebody about faith. Is that a different answer? Yeah, I think we get a different answer. And listen, passing on faith to the next generation, is it optional or not optional? Is it optional that we just pass on faith to the next generation? I don't think it's optional. But we as a people, we're gonna, it's, it's up to one generation to sacrifice for the one that comes after them. Is it not? Are we supposed to sacrifice for the next generation? Can I give us some practical, a practical reason as to why it's so important that you're nice to your kids and pass this stuff on? You know why? Think about this. Melanie, one day, Joelle is going to take your car keys. Think about it. Right? You better be nice to your kids one day. You better be nice to us. When you're older. Sorry, when you're older. Yes. I don't want to put you in a convalescent care home, right? You better be nice to your kids, especially your adult kids, especially your adult kids. Some of you need to redo your will. Right, anyway, did I say that? Sorry. With that, can I tell a little story? I'm going to need a kid. I'm going to need a kid for this. I'm going to read... I need like a kid, you know what? I need a kid that's between the age, like six and eight. Anybody in between those, like six and eight years old that wants to, wants to come up. Ellie, Isaiah, who's that? Who's that? Uh, Christian? Come on up. Christian, you're going to come up. No? Well, a kid. Any kid that pops up in a second. Little kid that for me. I love, hey, listen. Can we just have church? Is this fun as a family we're having church today? Right? This is so, I'm enjoying this. I really am. Listen. I don't care. Who, mom, Johnny, come on. Mom, come on up, my man. High five for Johnny right here. High five. Yeah, my man. Stay right here, my man. Stay right here. Ready? Ready? Look at the text. Look at, look at this with me. Maybe you'll be a preacher one day. Don't laugh. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Can we stop this here, right here? Just, just right here and sit here. Johnny, how old are you, by the way, again? Seven. You're seven years old. I want you to remember, audience... What it was like to be seven years old, this really happened, this scene really happened, that there was a day, listen, there was a day, kids, that there was this Jesus from, he's in Galilee, and everybody heard about him, he was calming storms, and he walked on water, and he fed 5,000 people with a happy meal from McDonald's, and he's doing all these amazing things, right? And then one day, there are parents that say, do you see this? We've heard about this Jesus. We want to take our kids to go see this Jesus. And there you are at seven years old. You hear about these stories. And you're thinking as a seven-year-old mind again, maybe he could turn me into something like a bird. Maybe I can fly. Some of you are too religious, but when you were seven years old, if you heard about Jesus coming to town and you heard about the stories, maybe you're thinking he's going to do something really cool, right? Maybe he's going to pay attention to me. So here it is. Let's, we, we set the scene now. Johnny, you all right? You with me now? So here we are. And we're coming, like hold my hand and we're just gonna walk together, pretend, right? We're playing pretend now. And we're walking and you're my son, Johnny, and we're walking and there's Jesus over there. 
And we try to get close to Jesus, but look what it says there. Look what it says. The disciples rebuke them. So you look in the distance and there are throngs of people, kids. There are all these people that want to get to Jesus, but they can't get to Jesus because the disciples... Why are the, what's wrong with the disciples? Come over here, John. What's wrong with the disciples? Can you picture this? Se- can, I, can I paint this picture for you too? I kind of picture it like their secret service, right? Don't you picture it like their secret service? And I see Peter, and they have the wireless mic. They got the mic on like I have on right now. And Peter's like, James, James, uh, I, got a, I got a kid over there at 3 o'clock. He's got the matzo ball soup over there. You see the kid over there? Yep, 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 yep. Oh, I got somebody over here at 10 o'clock too. They cannot get to Jesus. John, do your job. Judas, stop counting the money. Let's go. Do your job. Right, can't you see them? What, is it, what was the scene like? Kids, Johnny wants to get to Jesus. Susie, Mary, all the kids want to get to Jesus, but the disciples, they have their priorities out of whack, don't they? Come on, don't they? This is Jesus. You would think that they would, and I put myself in the situation, I go, you know what? I'm not that much different than they are. We are not that much different than they are, because in a lot of ways, we have our priorities out of order. We as parents have our priorities out of order. And a lot of times, we stop our kids from actually even getting to Jesus. Because we're so busy and we have so many things going on that Jesus, let me take you and put you on the shelf. Maybe one day, whatever, by osmosis. Did you know on average that your kids will spend 30 to 40 hours per year in Kidmo? If they come to church, if they even come, they come to church. That means the rest of the hours, the thousands of hours for the rest of the year, our Kidmo teachers are there to help us and try to help build a foundation, but it's incumbent upon us as parents as we leave this place to do our job and instill biblical values and principles and let let them touch Jesus, the real Jesus, the Jesus that had a personality. Now, John, I want you to see something here because when you look at this story, what does Jesus do? He rebuked them. He said, let the little children come to me, a double command, and do not hinder them. Did you know Jesus got angry? You didn't. Kids, how many of you knew Jesus got angry? Jesus got angry here. But I thought this, but I thought the Jesus that I always see on the, the movies, he just kind of floats on clouds and he has his Miss America sash on and he has no emotion and he shows no feelings and he's just kind of stoic and he moves around. I'm Jesus. Hi, I knew I was the son of God all along and everything is so easy for me. Jesus Christ had a personality because God has a personality. And Jesus laughed, and here it's righteous anger. And he looks at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other religious leaders, and he looks at us today, and he says, I want you to abide in me. I want you to have a real relationship with me. That's what you were created for, John. You were created for that. Every kid in here, you were created for that. And then I love it, right? And he gets the discipline. I'm going to deal with you later on. You all right, go ahead, Luke, give me the next slide. And then what does he do? Can't you picture Jesus, right, taking the kid? John, I'm not going to do it. You can go be seated now, John. Great job. <laughs> Pastor Joe wants to give him money, the Italian pet, right? Once he's got the money out, right? I, do it later. Do it later. Do it later. Can't you see this, though, with Jesus? What was this like? Can I give you a picture now? So you understand the context, the social context? Did you know the average life expectancy for somebody in the first century was 25 years old? I've read a lot on this. And that parents didn't look at their kids. They didn't have, I mean, of course you love your kids. They're your kids. They didn't have the same value in the first century, really, in a sense that they have now. You didn't expect, a lot of parents, you didn't expect your kids to live long. They didn't really contribute anything to society. So when Jesus, the first youth pastor, comes along and he takes the disciples and says, get out of my way, I'm here. He takes the kids, I see him picking up kids and throwing kids, and everybody around is like, who is this guy? Nobody does this with kids. Let the kids come unto me. What's wrong with us as adults? Average kid asks over 100 questions a day. I read that, I don't know how that's possible, but that's what I read. 
What are we as adults? Do you ask five questions a day? Do you ask five questions a day? Five? We don't ask a lot of questions because we have all the answers. And here is Jesus, and he comes on the scene, and he shows the kids that they have value. He's indignant. He's angry. He's angry at the disciples. Again, it's righteous anger, and it's important for us to see that. And he gave his time to the kids. And I know you may be looking at it, and you may go, but Jesus, you don't understand what it's like to live in my world with all the emails and, the, right? and all the, the text messaging and all the things that I have to do, how hard my job description is as a parent today. Well, the last time I checked, Jesus' job description was reconciling the world to God. Your job, Jesus' job. Right? When you think of it at the end of the day, I don't think there's any comparison. I think Jesus understands. I think Jesus is with us when we go through things. Now, let's get to some of the nitty-gritty of what I think is, is really important, too, to look at it. We have to be a people as parents. Parents now. Parents. We have to be parents that have an open line of communication with our kids. There has to be open dialogue with our kids. Do you agree with that? What we don't, listen, what we don't, we, I guess I don't know how to say, we expect things from, from our kids sometimes, but don't expect if we're not inspecting, right? We expect all these things to happen from our kids, but if we're not inspecting their lives and really getting into them and really sitting with them and having dialogues like my parents did with me, my parents weren't perfect, but let me tell you something, they did a lot right. They did a lot right. You don't have to clap for that. You don't have to clap. Hey, but I don't know. My parents can say a lot because their three kids are walking with the Lord. I don't, I don't know. You did a lot right. Whatever you did, you did something right. You didn't t- so many people inoculated me against Christianity, but my parents didn't. And my parents had open lines of communication. My parents never shut me down when I had doubts. My parents never shut me down or shamed me when I had fear. My parents never shut me down when I did something wrong. They never told me that, how could you do that? You're a Christian. I never got any of that. There's no room for that in the church because that's not Christ. Jesus doesn't do that. There's no condemnation for our kids. We need to be a people that build our kids up and realize our kids are going to make mistakes just like we made mistakes. They're not perfect by any means. And how about the heroes in this room? I'm almost done. How about the heroes in this room? How about the teachers in this room? You are a Kidmo teacher. You do anything with Kidmo. Can you stand up? Because we want to thank you. You do it. Stand up. That's a weak clap. That's weak. Let's thank them for all you do. Week in and week out, they take our kids. They serve. Nobody knows. Nobody sees. You see me get up here and preach. Oh, that's great. No, no, no. They're the ones that we should be applauding. They are the ones that we should be clapping about because they are taking the next generation and they're building them up. So when they're older, they'll have a faith that they don't turn away from, that they'll have a foundation, that they'll know who Christ is. You're our heroes in this room. You're the heroes. For every single person. And you know what? You're becoming rarer in American culture. People that want to give their time and work with kids, it's becoming rarer for people to live beyond themselves, for people to say, I'm going to invest in the next generation. Can I throw this out there too? Listen, I don't care if you're 70 years old, you're 80 years old. Can you look around in this place and see kids? And maybe there are kids that you can look at and say, I'm just going to go over to that kid and simply say hi to them and ask them how their first week of school was. I'm going to ask them how they're doing. And you may say, my time's over. Last time I checked, the word retirement wasn't in the Bible. The word Florida was not in the Bible. If you're not dead, you're not done. God's not done with you. There's more for you to do. There's more for you to do. Yeah, Caleb, the last 40 years are going to be better than the first 40 years. I got more for you to do, boy. There's more for us to do. Can we find opportunities to build into the next generation? And I want to thank you too for every single time in worship or even now when there are kids, like my son is over there and he's making noise and he's in the house though with everybody else. I want to thank you that that's what church is, that you look at that kid and say, I don't care. He's in the presence of God with us. Come on, y'all. 
in sticky faith. You ready for this? I'm going to drop a nuclear bomb, not an, a nuclear bomb. She says the single action that predicts faith sticking with young people more powerful than anything else, get this now, lean in, lean in, is when students engage in worship services together with all of the adults of the church. The single most with research, it is not youth group, which is a good thing. The most important factor in helping our kids grow is that they come to church in community and they hang out and they sing songs with us. And listen, even if they're not singing, they're still getting something. I sat in that first row for years as a kid and I wasn't opening my mouth because I didn't want to sing. And now I'm the preacher. Don't tell me what God can do. Look what he did in my life. And if he can do this with me, he can do it with you. And he can do it with your kids. And don't give up on your kids. I don't care if your kid's number eight and he's out in the field and it looks like he has no future. That's when the prophet shows up and says, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eliab, you look good. I want the kid that's out in the field that nobody cares about. That's who our God is. That's who our God is. Generations, multi-generations sitting together, doing life together, doing community together. It takes a village to raise kids, doesn't it? it? takes a village. Look what it says in Acts. I love this, and, and I, I promise I'm, I'm going to come to a close because I know i got the kids, and the kids are definitely losing it. Last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. This is the birth of the church. This is Pentecost. This is the Holy Spirit being unleashed on the church. I will pour out my spirit. Peter talking. He's referencing something from the Old Testament from the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. Yeah, for those people that don't think women should be in leadership. Yeah, for those people that think that the girls don't really have a role in leadership, can't really do anything. I beg to differ. God says, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I want to say this morning that there are kids in this room and you have a place here and you have a voice here and God wants to raise you up. I'm not the only speaker. The people that you see aren't the only speakers. There is a place for people to grow in this church. Kids, we want you. We value you. We need you. May it be. May that be. May that be for us, right? May that be for us. That our kids do that, that we have kids that come up and they're dreaming dreams and talking about dreams and visions of where God is taking the church. Why not? Oh, God, how could that happen? Yeah, watch God. Watch what God does. Watch what God does. Because I believe he's going to do it in the last days. And I believe we're in the last days. And I believe the enemy, why do you think those numbers, those stats I've told you about? Because the enemy knows his time is short and he's trying to do everything that he can and he's trying to distract us. It's death by distraction because if he can distract us from having a relationship with God, he can kind of take us out. But he does it in such a way that he moves insidiously. You don't really see him. He's in the dark. He sits in the shadows. He doesn't come into the looks like it was made in the image of God, which you were. Last thing. All right. Uh, if we could, I want somebody up here in a second, because in a minute, we're going to have, we're going to have uh, prayer for the kids. You into that? A little prayer before we leave here this morning? Can I give you, Pastor Linda and I came up with a list. Pastor Linda had a lot to do with this list of how do we build, can I give us some practical things on how we can build sticky faith in our kids? Look, you're going to hit this. I, I did it. Yeah. Can you hit the first one for me? All right, here's number one. Now, parents, you should at least be at the end of this. You should take your phone out, at least snap it, take a picture of it. All right, I I would think so. Remember, it's not just that we hear the word. It's what we do with the word. Can we be doers of the word? Can we actually take some of this and apply it to our lives? Right, so number one, find opportunities to pray with our kids during the week, especially when they are hurting and need direction. Look for an open door. Pastor Linda said, make sure you say that. We need to be looking for open doors in their lives, opportunities that knock. I grabbed an opportunity before I even walked out here. I was in that room at 9.55, and God gave me an opportunity to talk to my son about faith. Why aren't we taking the opportunity 
We're taking them to practices. We're taking them to SAT prep. We're taking them to everything else. Remember what I said, what Billy Graham said, the only thing we can take with us to heaven is our kids. That's the most important thing. It's not going to matter what we did and how good of a musician they were and how good they were at acting and how good they were at sports. It's going to be, do they know him? If I don't tell you, who's going to tell you? You're not getting this on CNN and Fox News. Number two, have at least one intentional conversation a week that is faith-related, an open atmosphere for them to discuss their doubts, their fears, their concerns. Please, we are not to shame our kids. Whatever they come to us with, we are to let them be open. We want it to be a dialogue. Don't sit there and start reading them the riot act and start preaching to them. And this is what the Bible says. And you're not supposed to doubt. And that's a problem. And you just need to believe. Really? You don't have any doubts? You never had any doubts as a kid? Come on. Faith doesn't grow. You want a sticky faith for your kids? This has to be an environment where they're able to talk about stuff. And we need to be able to to sit there and and hear it. It's not going to be easy all the time. I know it's not for me. When my son came to me a couple of months ago and said, I have a problem with some of the stories in the Bible. How do I know? I believe in all of them. I knew he was onto something because I said, you need to have your own faith. You can't live off my faith, boy. You need your own faith. Your own, not mine. Not your parents, your own. All right, number three. Be intentional about your spiritual, your own spiritual growth. Parents, How about letting our kids know where we are growing, learning, and serving? Here it is. This is Pastor Linda. This is the, I thought this was off the hook. What do your kids see about the Christian life when they look at your life? Have they encountered Jesus through you? That's sobering, man. What do your kids see about the Christian life? If I brought your kids up, even my own kid, I don't know what they, what would they say? about our own Christian life. It's not what we say, it's what we do. We're the message, parents. They're looking at us as the message. And they wanna see how, why am I gonna read my Bible if my parents never read it and there's cobwebs on it and there's dust on it and they never do that. Why am I, come on, church. I could go on, but I can't. Number four, prayer and fasting for our kids. How How about praying that God would make himself real? to our kids how about waking up in the morning and before we grab our phones and we get our face in the we we, we say you know what lord i want to pray for my kids i want to pray for other kids in the church that they'd actually know you and have a relationship with you and i'm going to fast and i'm going to believe that things are going to happen regardless of what i see with my with my eyes i'm going to believe that i'm going to see things in their lives is that important for us i think so and then lastly number five takes a village. I said it before. They are going to grow in the context of community. You want them to have sticky faith? You want them to have sticky faith? I'm going to challenge all the parents in here because you know what Megan and I are going to do? We're going to do it tomorrow. She's away tonight, but I'm going to do this tomorrow. I didn't even share this with her. I'm going to sit down with her and go, how are we doing and how can we better implement this in the lives of our kids? How can we make this a reality? How can we live this out? How can we be doers of the word? How can we be parents that take on the responsibility and say, I'm going to make sure that my kids have a faith that is sticky, that's going to last a lifetime. Now ask, I want Jen Schuster and Jamal Walcott, they're both uh, we have, an edu- we have an, a teacher, Spanish teacher. We have an assistant principal. They're now going to come up with me. And I want all the kids, if you're a kid, I'm going to ask that you come up on this platform because you know what we're going to do for you? We are going to pray protection over you. We are going to pray that God would use you this year in whatever school that you're in. I don't care if you're in Longwood. I don't care if you're in William Floyd. I don't care if you're in Sayville. I don't care what school you're in. We want kids to come up here now, and we're going to pray a circle around you. We're going to pray protection around you. We're going to pray for the parents, too, that are in this place. We believe in the power of prayer in this place, that prayer can move mountains. And we believe that every enemy and every devil will hear these prayers. But above all else, we believe that God in heaven is going to hear our prayers and our cries this morning as we pray for our kids. Come on up here, kids. Come on up here, kids. You are the lifeblood of the church. You are the next generation.
I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask Mrs. Schuster. She's gonna she's gonna share a verse and then she's gonna pray. This is church, y'all. This is church. This is church today. This is church. Go stand with the kids. I'm done. I'm undone. You got to pray. Oh, microphone. Microphone, please. Well, Lord, we thank you that you're in it all. You care about everything that these children care about. You care about what new, new clothes they want to wear to school, about their brand new backpack, what color books they want to buy. You care about every detail, who their teacher is, where they're going to sit, who they're going to play with at, at recess. You care about it all. So Lord, we know that our kids will have enemies, ones they can see and ones they can't see. You know the choices that they'll have to make the truths that they'll discover, the lies that they'll have to reject, the friendships that you'll build, the failures they'll have to overcome, and the triumphs that they'll celebrate. Remind them, Lord, that you're by their side. When they climb up the <laughs> stairs of the bus, and they see the words, close your eyes and pretend that you're climbing up the stairs of the bus. Close your eyes, close your eyes. See the stairs, climb up the stairs. There's a sign you're gonna see. And you know what it says? Watch your step. Do you see it? When you see it on the first day, you're gonna remember I said this, okay? Watch your step. Lord, that is what we pray for them today. May they remember that you're gonna watch their steps every step that they take whether they walk or they run whether they stumble or climb Lord we thank you we thank you for the parents that these are the years that we learn to understand that our children are not our own and that we can't always go with them but whether they turn to the left or to the right you are with them may they hear your voice always whisper this is the way walk in it lord we thank you that you plan to watch their every step kids i'm going to ask you to do something you're going to take your right hand okay this hand and put it down at your side and make a fist pretend you're holding somebody's hand okay i'm going to share a verse with you and i want you to remember this when you go to school and you get on the bus and you go about your day. It says in Isaiah 41, 13. He's good. For I hold you by your right hand. This is your right hand. For I hold you by your right hand. And you know what he says? Don't be afraid. I am here to help you. So when you're in school, when you're doing something that causes you to get nervous, to doubt yourself, to fear, I want you to grab your hand and hold your hand and imagine and know, oh, he said he's holding my right hand. You do this quietly. Nobody has to know what you're doing. Nobody has to see, but it's gonna be your way of saying he's with me. When you're walking down the hall, just close your hand and walk and secretly know he's walking in the halls with you. He's walking in the class with you. He's with you everywhere you go. So we just put that under the blood. I want you to do one last thing. I want you to look around and I want you to see yourself standing here. And when you tempt to be afraid who we're doing a drill that asks you to lock down or lock in or something that creates little little anxiousness in you, I want you to remember and picture in your head, oh, I remember I see myself standing in church and I see the church praying for me and that you are protected. See it in your mind. He protects you. When you're not here, think back to this moment and go, oh yeah, the church prayed for me and protected me. I'm safe, I'm okay. We thank you, Lord, that we commit them into your hands. Amen. Amen. So I 
was just thinking about this before I had to come up and um, it, have you guys ever thought about being like really, really rich? No, no, just me. I thought about that all the time when I was a kid, right? Yeah. And have you ever thought of like living in a mansion? That'd be pretty cool, right? Um, for me, I, I get to travel sometimes. I've been to like palaces and castles and we go there and they're usually empty. Nobody lives there now. So it's almost like a museum. And sometimes I get to go with my students and I'll tell them, you know, I said, wait, wait, you got to stop. You got a picture being there when you're seven years old. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, this whole palace, it was all yours. And you come, you have your friends over, you play hide and seek in here, and there'd be like a, a hundred rooms. And you'd be, they're like, how do you find somebody? I said, take days, you can get lost in there. And then I say, then imagine being there when you're like 15, and your parents go away on a trip or something, and now you have the free, the house to yourself, and you know, there's the face layout, like, yeah. We're having a party tonight. I, I say, think about like how cool is it? For us, we look at it and we go, here's this palace that nobody can touch anything. But when you're a kid and you live in that palace, that palace is all yours. You're the king's and the queen's child and you get special rights and privileges. And as you go to school this year, I want you guys to think about that. You are the child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you guys, you guys have special rights and privileges. You guys are, have special lights on you. You're a lighthouse and no matter where you go or what you do, God is with you. There's a light that shines in you that sometimes you don't even know and you can't see, but shines so bright in you that there's safety in that. And as you guys go out into the school year this year, as Ms. Jen said, you hold on to God, but just also know that you hold on to the authority of God, that there's going to be tests and there's going to be bullies and there's going to be days where maybe a teacher or um, somebody in school, they make you upset, but you know that you walk with God in everything that you do and that in any time, that you feel something where it just doesn't feel good or whatever else you could say to your dad, to your king, I need you here with me because he is. And when there's great moments and there's, a, there's something that you want to share and it's awesome, you can go, God, thank you. Thank you for being here with me in these moments because he looks at every single one of you as his own son and daughter. So Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time, Father. We thank you for the precious children that are up here, from the youngest to the very oldest, Father. We thank you for pre-K all the way up to high school, Father. We thank you for our seniors, Father. No matter what the journey is, no matter where they are, Father, we thank you, Father, that they are in your hands, Father. For every parent in here, Father, that has any concern, any fear, for every kid that is worried about whatever they are going into starting Tuesday, Father, we thank you that you've already laid out the groundwork, that you already walked those steps, that you already led this path, Father, that they are in your hands, that you are in control, Father. I thank you that you know every single person on this stage you know every hair in their head. You know every cell in their body, Father. And you go before them, Father, in your glorious way, Father. And no matter what the circumstance, Father, it is for your good because we claim them unto you, Lord. Amen. All right, you can go back to your seats. Thank you. I, I just want to close quick, real quick, and just pray for the parents, for you as parents. Johnny, thanks for today. Nolan, you can't sit, you couldn't sit still for a minute. Look at you, all over the place, right? Thank you, kids. Parents, how does it feel? And, hey, you know where you're going? Which way are you going? Take your time, it doesn't matter. It's all right. It's all good. Hey, I just want to pray for the parents. Is that all right? Anybody, any parent here, you need prayer? Or no, am I? No, you're all good. You're all prayed up. Well, I would ask that we would take this, that we would be people that take initiative, Lord, and that we would actually 
be creating, instilling in our kids a sticky faith, a faith that would really last. Lord, I ask that you would create opportunities for us to sit down and talk with our kids and for them to open up about it, as hard as it may be, Lord, that we would be persistent and we would, you would give us those opportunities and give us the grace. Lord, I ask for parents that go to work and they're tired and they come home and they don't have much left in the tank. Lord, give them supernatural strength and grace to give to their children. Lord, help us to be parents in this generation that don't just throw iPads and iPhones and let them just sit on, on old social media and do whatever they want. Lord, we want to be parents that are involved. Lord, help us as parents to give them Jesus, Lord. Help us to, to be people that give them a foundation that they can build on in their lives. Lord, be a light unto their path and a lamp unto their feet as they go to school. In the age of rage, I come against anybody that would try to do harm to any of our kids and any of the schools. I pray for peace in all of the schools throughout this nation as we go into another year, Lord, that this will stop, Father. Lord, I ask that other, we just come in agreement with other churches and other people that are praying for the safety of our kids in schools. Lord, and do something. Send revival into the schools, Lord. Send revival, Lord. Come on, church. Send revival into the schools. Lord, may our kids stand up for truth. May our kids stand up for what is right as Christianity is under attack like it's never been under attack before. May they be beacons of light. May they not back down. May they talk about their relationship with Jesus. May they not care what anybody else says around them when they look to the right or the left. May they just know who they are and whose they are, Father. May they abide in you. May they realize and know that you are there with them every single class period when they're in lunch, when they're in phys ed, when they're in music, when they're on the bus, when they walk home, when they walk to the bus, that you're always with them. You'll never forsake them. Lord, and our, may we as parents take this responsibility to heart. May we take it seriously, what you've called us to do. I pray for the educators in this room too. Lord, create opportunities for all of us educators that we would look for those kids that have fallen between the cracks, the kids that nobody talks to. Lord, that you would give us a, a, a time. Lord, you give us a window. You'd open doors for us to witness to them and that we would show them Jesus they would see who you are through our actions and they would realize that we're different, not because of our own strength and our own power, but who you are in our lives. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, this is just the start, though. As you leave here, there's prayer over there. If you need prayer, you stay for prayer. But this is the start of prayer for our kids. We leave here. We should be praying for our kids. Don't compartmentalize your lives. The church is here, and no, how about bring Jesus into everything? Bring him into when you go home and have lunch after the meeting. Bring him into dinner. Bring him into dinner tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Bring him into everything. Have a great week. Enjoy your Labor Day. Be safe. We love you. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.